When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Beyond the Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to unpack this week that was the Bearcats. We are, of course, presented by the 1012 Network and our partners over at Charlie Hustle, so make sure to check both out. And without further ado, first item on the docket up here for our listeners, tased in the balls, Steve please just imagine that the hills the seven hills of cincinnati are blue and that this is actually a sea light that is a cincy light so mm. we all need our copium yeah it's uh it's time people it's time to get serious so we are t minus T-minus. We are about two hours post the Iowa State game. It is Tuesday evening, February 13th of 2024, and the Bearcats have just lost two straight games at home. Their record at home is horrendous in the Big 12, and um, it is yet another top 10 team. Another opportunity thrown away, doing it yourself. There is a lot of ways that we could go about unpacking this, but I think the biggest one to just kind of throw out there, how many turnovers did we have in this game, Steve? Um, Well, you're going to have to tell me because I see 21 on a certain app um, and uh, you say 25. So um, I saw 25. Maybe it is 21. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought it was. I'm going to make it worse, though. It was uh, as bad as thought. 21 turnovers or 25, no, however many. Iowa State had 26 points off of said turnovers. So not ideal. No, yeah. Yeah. Total turnovers for the Bearcats is 25, according to ESPN. Hmm. Well, the score so. is wrong. So, well, the score is, is a bunch of Cincinnati fans. They're just trying to help us out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's there's, there's, a, there's not really any way to put a band aid on this. This was a, horrible horrible game this was two halves of the bearcats trying their best to give iowa state every possible opportunity to score playing defense when they don't have the ball and then playing offense by passing it to iowa state every other possession I don't know exactly how many possessions we had during this game, but I'm pretty sure if you totaled it up compared to our 50 attempted shots, there were totals. There was a total of 25 turnovers, which means that for every one shot you took, you turned the ball over. Every other shot. That's a horrible analogy. Steve, this thing is just ugly. Like there's so many things that you could just point to in this game that just did not go right. But ultimately, it felt like Iowa State's very solid defense was 
you could you could give them credit, but I don't know how much credit you need to give them when we're hucking passes across the court from corner to corner of the arc straight into an Iowa State player's hands. You, you're throwing over three players to try to go to one double-covered guy on the other side of the ball. You've got two guys getting double-covered double up at the arc, and then they push in, and then you've got another double coverage. Iowa State was everywhere. So credit to their defense. They did an absolutely amazing job. It felt like we were pay, playing a full-court press all 40 minutes. Like, no breaks. Well, they did a fantastic job, but it was just insane how many times we just gave them the ball. Yeah, and then, you know, I just want to point this out, Justin. Uh, our three combined big men of uh, Vic, Aziz, and Jamil played 50 combined minutes and scored a total of six points. <laughs> six. So, um, you know, less than ideal, I'll say. Um, they combined for six points and 13 rebounds. You know, it, that's really not going to get it done. Um, we got clearly boss in the paint, um, the points in the paint, 36 to 14 in favor of Iowa State. Um, you know, maybe some of those were part of those points off turnovers. Um, I do think, Justin, this was just like, and it's, it, it shows this out in our field goal percentage. We shot 38% from the field and 19 for 50, but nine of those were three. So we made 10 two point baskets all night. I mean, credit to them. They shut down our big men, and then we were we felt we were forced to pass the ball around a lot more and try to find open men where we could. And uh, you know, it just just didn't happen. And think about this, Justin. Like, I I don't know how many possessions we ended up having, but if you end twenty one possessions uh, with with turnovers and you end at least twenty five more with miss back, you missed you. Essentially, you did not do your job on 45 of your 65 possessions tonight. Like, that's just not going to get it done, unfortunately. And it's just unfortunate because, like, and look at this, too. Second chance points for the Bearcats, eight. So, really, it was, like, six buckets that they made that were not either, like, a putback, like a tip-in or anything like that. It just wasn't good enough tonight. And... You know, I'm I'm not really going to get upset about losing a game against a top ten team at home, but and I'm not going to get you know people are upset that you know we were favored and then we lost like we we've been favored in all of these games. Some at some point you just can't listen to what Vegas says. Like you gotta go, people. Let that ship sail. (laughs) I I have the take for you, Justin. Uh, We can continue our Bearcat self loathing in just a second, but do you think Iowa State is going to win the Big Twelve? They have the tiebreaker right now over Houston as long as they and they 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 go to Houston next Monday night. But I that might have been the best team in the Big Twelve we just played right there, to be honest. And like I there there might be a certain amount of copium yeah. there, but no, look. no, 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 absolutely no copium there. I think you are nail on the head there on that one because if there's anything that I've learned at least from this season is that there's at least some amount of ability for the Bearcats to come back in the second half to play themselves into a game. Let's be honest. They put up a couple shots at the end to soften the blow, but this thing could have easily cracked open to 15, 20, 25, 30 points. 
like this game was way out of hand and we just happened to hit a couple shots at the right time towards the end to make the score look better. But if we're being completely honest, Iowa state blew out Cincinnati and that's just unfortunately the fact shout out to uh, one of my coworkers. He is a massive Iowa state fan and I'm going to hate having to talk to him about this, but the Bearcats just brought nothing in comparison to what Iowa state brought tonight. And unfortunately that's just the way it is. And, and, you know, I think that if there's one thing to learn from how the Bearcats have played this entire season, it's that through the big 12, that is it's that they can take anybody to the wire. They've managed to do that against Kansas. They've managed to do that against Oklahoma. They managed to do that against Houston. They managed to do that against Texas tech against some of these top teams win or loss. They've managed to take all these teams down to the wire. What's the one team that didn't do that? What's the one team that broke this five point barrier that nobody has been able to touch and keep at midline for the Bearcats, Iowa state. And like I said, quite frankly, Iowa state is the only team that's really just given it to them. Granted, I think this is a little bit of the case of what we've liked to call. Uh, I don't remember who exactly pulled up the stat first. Credit to whoever that was. Might have been Chad Brennell, might have been Keegan or somebody else. But the you know supposed Cincinnati hangover, I think this is a little bit of the Houston hangover. You play a very tough defensive team that is going to grind you out. Every single play is going to make you work for it. It's going to be very hard. And then you have that week off before you play Houston, but then you turn around Sunday, Monday, and then you play Tuesday night. You have two days off to recover from Houston of all teams and then to play Iowa State, who I'd argue is better. So it's a very tough turnaround, and I think Iowa State is a very good team. I think they legitimately could be the team to win the Big 12, and I think they look firmly in the driver's seat to do that. Well, like you said. here's what I think about that, too, just because they play Texas Tech on Saturday. Iowa State does, but they're the only team in this league right now to have beat Houston and Kansas, and they were the only team – well, they were a, a missed shot and like a crazy couple bounces away from beating Baylor at Baylor, and that's three of the top five teams in the league. Uh, and yep. on the other hand, if you take a look at the Bearcats, the Bearcats have only beaten two teams in the top half of the table. They've beaten TCU at home and Texas Tech on the road. Every other team they've lost to. And, you know, you've only, the only other games you've won are BYU and UCF. Um, And they've played themselves a few games too, you know. So just had to get that joke in there. Sorry. (laughs) But they, I mean, it's, it's fine to say that they are just not really performing as a top five team. I don't want people, again, what did I say before the conference schedule even started, Justin? Remember where your thoughts were after those certain benchmarks of the season that I mentioned and apply those to now. We yep. definitely like were excited after a few games. Seeing the Bearcats beat a top 15 Texas Tech team on the road was exciting. Same thing for that BYU game. But this is still just a team that we know what its flaws are. And another one seems to be that they cannot play that well at home. They can't win at home. And it's just frustrating right now. Um, We'll talk about Houston next, but you know, how many times are you going to play two top 10 teams on the uh, at home in back-to-back games? Welcome to the big 12, by the way, UC is now three and seven in its last 10 games. So, um, and we'll, we'll talk about our bracketology later, but, 
it looks rough right now. <laughs> like I, I think if you had won either of the, these last, why don't we just go ahead and talk about Houston now? Justin? No, 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 Steve, 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 Steve. We have okay. way too much to cover on this game still. Okay. All right. Hold All on. Right. Hold on. Hold your horses. Let him cook. We will get into the bracketology. The window is absolutely starting to close and you need to figure it out fast. But I have a couple points that I want to make. You have the whole game against Iowa State tonight. You have this whole ugly crap fest, whatever it is. I want to mention the one bright spot in this game. You could say there maybe is a few, but I'm going to mention the one bright spot, and that is Dan Skillings Jr. Dan Skillings in this game, 13 points, two blocks, two steals, three assists, 11 rebounds. That is too short of all three big men that we had combined by himself. Four offensive rebounds at that mark. And guess what else he had? A big fat zero on that turnover spot too. No turnovers, contributed a handful of points, had a double-double with zero turnovers in a game where we turned the ball over 25 times. That is a big credit to a guy who, yes, does sometimes play off the ball, but has the ball in his hands a lot during the game. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes you're going to have guys that are on, sometimes you're going to have guys that are off. Dan has been a little bit of hot and cold, but if anything, he's at least been consistent in effort, and he's been consistent in giving quality minutes when he's out on the floor. And he brings the heat on the offense and defensive side of the ball. You know, I think in a very similar way to John Newman, John Newman had 29 points tonight, or sorry, 29 minutes tonight, only to two points. However, that does not match the effort, does not match the intensity that he brings to the game, does not match every other statistical category that the guy can fill on the sheet. He is a stat, feet, stat sheet filler. Sometimes he just doesn't pour it in, just like a lot of these other guys don't pour it in all the time. But very consistent, and I, I think that this is just one of those things that, again, you have a guy like that that's really, really solid, and I, I'm not going to go through and you know, try to pick apart every piece of this, but a really key point in this game that I think is starting to pull down the Bearcats, especially in the stretch that they've been losing over these past few key games. I'm not saying that this one person is to blame. Hear me out. Listen very closely. This not this one person is not to blame, but this missing factor was a key factor in the first half of the Big 12 games when everything was going very good. Victor Locken has become a very missing piece that was fundamentally core to the identity of the Bearcats in the first half of these Big 12 games. I put out a tweet earlier this week because I was just curious to see how he was performing in this back half. Through the first four Big 12 games, 13 points, 21 for 34, 17 rebounds, 4 for 8 from 3, 4 blocks, 6 steals, 7 turnovers on 28 and a half minutes. In the last five games, this does not include tonight's game in which he had nine minutes and a big zero in every single column except for one offensive rebound. In those other five games, he has 3.2 points, four for 28, 25 rebounds, 0 for 11 from three, six blocks, a steal to nine turnovers on 21 minutes. And now with that nine minutes, 
it's going down probably sub 20. I don't know what's happened. I know that he got sick. I know that some some other thing happened. It looks like there's a shot to his confidence. It's clearly not helping when he's getting cheered for off the court, unfortunately, by the home crowd from what we've heard and saw through this game. But this has been a complete 180 for this guy. And I it's it's really sad to see because, like I said, he's been so core to this team. And, and he was very consistent all the way through. And unfortunately, the floor fell out beneath him. And now he's not really... I, I just don't know how to fix this problem because he was doing so well for so long. And, you know, we were, you could see that everybody had their flaws. Everybody was kind of doing good and bad, hot and cold. But he was very consistent for so many games. And now he's been co- a consistent non-factor in these past five, six games. And so I'm just trying to figure out from, from you know, the team identity going forward, and for Victor Locke, and what is the solution to fix this to get him back on track? And if he's not, who's going to step up and fill the gap? Because I don't even know if we played Odie at all tonight. So we didn't play Odie. Vic is a non-factor. That's two big men that are doing nothing for you. And Jamil and Aziz are trying their best, but there's only so much you can do. So, like I said, I'm just trying to figure out what is the solution there? How do you get this guy back in it? Because... This isn't like this is a freshman that was doing really good and then just, you know, fell off. This guy has been around Cincinnati for a hot minute. He's had the minutes. He's had the experience. You have to find a way to get him back involved or this thing is not going to work. And like I said, we felt really good. Even though we had lost a few games, we felt really good in through those first four or five games in Big 12 play. Now, the you know, the clock's ticking. Things are getting a little bit uglier. And we've got to find some wins and it's going to be really hard to if one of your bigs have less than 10 minutes and cannot supply you with anything more than one rebound in a game that was giving you 13, 14, 15 points a night, um, a near double, double every night is now giving you one rebound and zero points. I just don't, I don't see how we fix that without fixing whatever's going on with Vic. And you know why this is the best league in the world? And well, in college basketball, Justin, not the best basketball league in the world. Um, might only be six in the world, you know. <laughs> but um, th- it's because the coaches are in this league are really smart. They can pick up on these trends. And who's to say that the coaches uh, for the past few teams that we've played have not noticed that Vic is struggling and really just gone after him, yep. made him uncomfortable, made him not want to be a part of this. Justin, something that I just cherry-picked here, he's got zero points in three of his last four games and only had four against Texas Tech. And maybe he was able to be a little bit more effective, but it seems like coaching staffs have really just tried to make him uncomfortable and take him out of games. And Aziz... He's four of 30 in this stretch. Yeah. He has four total made baskets across six games. Well, and then I think Aziz, too, is just... Like he's definitely a good player, as we saw during multiple games this year. He's just not able to be completely consistent right now. And Jamil, like, it's it's just hard for him right now. I'm sure it it just took a toll on him to be the longest one out to not be able to be full go with these guys and still just picking it up. Um, And just the lack of production from the big man position is really what's hurting hurting us in this recent stretch here. 
I, I do think it's that these coaching staffs have really tried to center on taking him away from what UC can do. And if you take Victor away, that just takes another passing opportunity for guys to get open, yep. make those open shots. And UC was able to credit to them. They were able to get open threes tonight, knocking them down, but they, they just got bossed in the paint in the, in the paint battle. And they really need, like we've seen in a couple of games this year, Justin, where they've really won the game because of how good they were in the paint. And right. I, I do think that it's, you know, it's they've they've got to figure it out. As um, some of you may have heard, Wes has Wes did say in his post game tonight that uh, they're going to figure it out, and he's upset and he's mad. And uh, yeah, the the comments were not very kind to him. But you know, I I, I get it. I understand why he's upset. Like you don't want to yeah. lose. Obviously, he's a competitor. But again, just from a fan, and the, he's a coach. He's the coach, though. He's not supposed to like just accept these things. And I'm not accepting either. I'm just trying to say, look, this is what it was when right. we had, you know, and th- we all knew what the assignment was going to be this year. We we said if we could get eight conference wins, we would feel good about our chances. Yeah. I still feel good about those chances. We'll yeah. talk about them later. This just sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, and this will be our last point, and then we can move on to the Houston game. But um, like you mentioned, the points in the paint, I don't remember if you already said this, so sorry if you did, but I want to reiterate this 36 to 14 lost points in the paint. That is a massive deficit. They're near doubling you. And then on top of that, rebounding, you out rebound them 38 to 24. So you dominated the class, but they absolutely dominated you offensively and they bullied you in the paint. So like you can't trade that off. So, where you were so aggressive and you have been all season, you've still been able to do that, but they were much more effective on their shooting. And this is the other thing that's kind of troublesome too, is because even in this game, you look at how this was a nine point game, but the Bearcats were 70 point or 70% from the, from the free throw stripe. They were almost 40% from three and they're about 40% from the floor. So all in all, I think those are workable factors for a lot of the games. But then when you turn the ball over 25 times, you've just lost so many opportunities to score. You've shot 50 times in this game, but that's perhaps even with those 25 turnovers, if you cut that in half, that's another at least 10 shots that you could have taken. That's a theoretical, at least another four or five baskets that you could have made, which means that this is a tie game or a win. So it's just one of those things that you can't, you can't win in every category if you're playing in the big 12, but you got to win in the categories that matter. I think they did that for what they could tonight, but the one category that really just shot themselves in the foot of again was the turnovers. Um, And in comparison to the Houston game, you only had eight. So you you had nine turnovers by the time you reached the uh, 12 minute mark, 12 to go in the first half. You had eight total against Houston, which is the number one defense in the country. Some kind of disconnect there. Maybe it's the style of ball, but Iowa State did a fantastic job shutting down the Bearcats tonight. And unfortunately, that was the reason they lost by nine, 68 to 59. This is the last thing um, because I wanted to ask the general crowd how we feel. You know, do we want to come back to this after we talk about Houston or do you want to do this now? Let's do it now. Yeah, let's let's, let's rip it off and then we'll talk about Houston real quick. Let's rip that Band-Aid off. Okay, so we asked the folks, unpack, give us your thoughts. Um, 
lot of different responses, but we'll just ram them off real fast at burger. 3491. Hopefully I said that right. Big 12 basketball is really good. Nights like this will happen. Just ask Kansas. Whoop de doo. 79 to 50 loss to Texas Tech. That's a huge one. So thank you for pointing that out. We're on to Orlando Tech. Agreed. Uh Joe Ross, big men in the weight room for the entire offseason. Free throws and pushing up and down the floor for all. Uh, you could probably agree with that. Patrick C. Turnovers and free throws were the story tonight. Offensive offense offense generally appears to be a free-for-all with no rhythm to it. Um, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of back and forth there, but experience point guard. Yeah, <laughs> that could definitely help. Uh Barry McStevens, what the hell does Wes Miller draw up during timeouts? Ask Wes. Eric Gonzalez, doesn't matter how many free throws or field goals you make if you keep turning the ball over. This game was absolutely awful. No excuses. Hard to argue with that. Comeback Cronin. Gotta love seeing Cronin still in the mix here. His offense doesn't we, put his players... Can we just not do that? No. <laughs> no. You'll see when he coaches at Louisville next year how bad he really is. I know you, some of y'all ain't watching these late-night games. Your boy's watching these late-night games. Ever since Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, and that other dude left, then Johnny Juzang left. It's been completely downhill nosedive for them. Dude, those guys were some studs, though. So uh, give credit to uh, Steve not, Alford for recruiting them. That wasn't them. his players. Uh, <laughs> um, so he said his offense doesn't put his players in positions to succeed, and we aren't talented enough to make up for it. Mm, jury's out on that one. Uh, Cincy Hoffman would be met with an argument that would further my frustration, so I plead the fifth. That is very, uh, very much relatable. Uh John Parrish, they're one year away from being an NCAA tournament team. Next year will be fun. We wish it was this year, actually. Um, and there's still a possibility that it could be this year. Don't lose hope yet. There is still a shot. We'll get to that later. Uh, control the ball and play the game, and you win. Plain and simple, 19 of 25 turnovers were forced or just stupid. Literally gave the ball away. I think he meant unforced or just stupid. Yes, I would agree. A lot of those were very unforced turnovers. Um, Dobby. Dobby Dobby home field advantage does not apply to the Bearcats. Uh, yeah, pretty much. We'll talk. We should talk about that at some point too. Cause that's a little rough. Uh, Gary says, got to get Vic going again. That guy lost his mojo for sure. Uh, James Sanf Sanford NIT. Here we come tough. Let's not, let's not do that one. Uh, Greg Hardy, the damn burst tonight. I did like coaches commitments after the game comments after the game. This is on me. Don't blame the players, blame the head coach. We did not have the team prepared tonight. Um, Meanie, it's called being out coached. And the last one of the night, M Gleason, you aren't the first to succumb to the pressure. Hang in there. And that is an Iowa state fan. Thank you. Iowa state fans. Um, we very much did not enjoy having Iowa state in our arena tonight. <sighs> That was a lot. Houston, now that we've just demoralized ourselves thinking about all that, 10 in a row, we officially cracked the streak open at double digits, baby. Just crack another one of those open. Um, it's tough because it felt like the Bearcats have been very close to unlocking this one. And unfortunately, another one slips away from you. And unfortunately, it was the one at home. And you still have to play them on their home court, which is not going to be any easier. Um, Houston definitely looks like a world beater. 
They do look like they have some flaws that you can take advantage of, but they are very well-rounded. They have a lot of talented players. They are very physical. Every guy in the team looks, plays, and feels like an NBA player. So it is very tough to overcome that when all those guys will just out-tough you before anything else, any statistic, any measurement, any vertical, I don't care. They will just out-hustle you. And so very hard to overcome that. Steve, what are your thoughts on the Houston game? This was a little bit more of a classic uh, 2024 Bearcats Big 12 performance. Uh, Got down by a lot early in the game. Somehow fought their way back to keep it close at halftime. Took a slight lead in the second half. And then just, uh, well, took a pretty big lead in the second half, actually. Eight, ten points. And then Houston fought their way back into it and closed it out. But, um, you know, this is just what it's become this year, unfortunately. We get... We have all the fight in the world. We hit, we were able to play defense with the big boys, but I just think, Justin, it's just the one, two, three guys that most of the teams in our league have better than us and that when they're able to play better than us on any given night, they just are able to overcome what our team can do collectively. And, you know, I I don't want to just, you know, take the cop out and be like, oh, Houston and Iowa State and Kansas and like – you know, at some point you're going to have to win some of these games and overcome the fact that, you know, you don't have as good of players as the other team sometimes. Um, and, you know, you could say that maybe the Bearcats should have won this game. Um, I'll, I will point out that UC, according to the Ion College Basketball podcast, that UC is now 1-24 in in their last 25 games against top five teams. And if my Cincinnati <laughs> math tells me correctly, that only – win against the top five team was uh, against Syracuse on a neutral court uh, at the big East tournament. So have not, I mean, I, I don't know. Xavier fans clip this if you want, but I don't know when the last time we beat a top five team at home was, and maybe, maybe we just haven't had many coming into the building. You know, that's fair. That is a good point. You usually, we were the one that was in the top five, not the other school. Um, Fair point. But I, I do think it was just, you know, and, like credit to Houston, they do what Houston does, and they came back and won. I, I do think, though, Justin, that this was like before tonight. This was a sense of optimism. Um, yep. Weirdly enough, both Iowa State games uh, for football and basketball just made you like want to reconsider life uh, altogether. I think the Bearcats were favored in both games, and yep. just like just got completely demoralized in both games. So um, Iowa Everything State crashed re- and burned after that too. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa State, you're on our shit list, dude. Like, yep. you are on our list. Like, we don't like y'all, okay? <laughs> Pretty plain and simple. We'll see you in baseball season. But um, Houston, though, Justin, um, you know, I can't really get mad about – once again, I can't get mad about losing to a top-five team at home. But if you were to really win a game that could solidify your tournament chances, you missed your opportunity with this one. Yep. No, and I mean, I think – that's exactly right. I, I think one of the big things I've noticed that you kind of touched on, um, <clears throat> Juwan Roberts in this game, 20 points. You can add another guy to the list that either made or tied his season high uh, against the Bearcats. Just another one of those. Just add them to the list. Um, it's become very long at this point. I think we're in double digits. With that said, I think, like you said, there's a lot of guys on a lot of teams who just have enough every single night who are the consistent guys who step up. And I think the thing that felt like a very 
felt like a strength at the beginning of the season is now starting to feel like a crippling weakness. You had, if one guy was off, you had another guy on. I think what's starting to happen is you're having one guy on every night and that's it. You had the beginning of the season, you had two or three guys on and granted against a lot of these are against cupcakes, but even through some of the more difficult games that you had, you had two or three or four guys, even in double digits who were really pulling it together and who were playing a solid game. And, you know, there was solid contributions from your bench in this game, in the Iowa state game, you know, it's, you have one, maybe two guys who are really out there doing something. And then the rest are kind of just part of the team. They're kind of just throwing in a bucket here or there, but you don't really have anybody stepping up in this game. You had Jizzle, John Newman and Dan Skillings all in triple digits. But realistically, your biggest contribution was from John Newman, who had a double-double, 10 and 10. Um, you had Dan Skillings with 13, but two of seven from three. You have Seamus going two of six. You have uh, Vic going 0 for three from three in this game, um, which is just bewildering. But it's, again, I think it comes back to that thing where, like, how many points are you getting out of these guys when they're on the floor? How effective are they? I really would like to go into a little bit further deep dive in the box plus minus at this point in the season because I think everybody's kind of all over the place. But like I said, Houston has those guys that are go-to guys that are always going to be there night in, night out. Like Jamal Shedd threw up a shit ton of buckets, missed a lot, but still found a way to give them 16 points, still found the way to give them a way to have a lot of, you know, solid defensive plays across his 38 minutes in that game. And I think that's just kind of the differences. Like I said, in this kind of game, somebody's going to out hustle you. You're going to do some things where you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, but 30% from three, 72% from the line, the Bearcats kind of mustered enough to stay in the game. And of course, that's why it was a five point game at the end. But it just feels like you're so close. You 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 know you kind of get it's another one of these games where you got sort of that DNA spiral and your little game flow. There's there's it's 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 close and then it widens out and then it's close and then it widens out and then it gets close right at the end of the game and then free throws and it starts to open up again. You know, with what like two minutes to go in this game, I think this was a one possession game. This was super close. You had it. It was, yeah, Houston 61, Bearcats 59 with 141 to go. So you're within a shot. You're a, a trip to the free throw line from tying this game. And then Houston is going to Houston and they're going to crack it open again. And then that's going to be game. And unfortunately, night in, night out, we just don't have that guy. We don't, we, we have Dan Skillings who's doing a lot every single night, but we don't have that set of guys. We don't have two or three go-to guys that we can rely on. We don't have the guys who are stepping up and then just giving like 10, 15, 20, like they were earlier in the season. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to continue to bite you and it's going to continue to wear on you as the season goes on. Um, I think the the other troublesome part is now you also have CJ Frederick back. CJ played two minutes against Houston. I don't know how many he played tonight against Iowa State. Um, I'd have to look at that real fast, but you know, <clears throat> that's, that's one of those situations where you need that, you need that guy who's coming back now into your lineup to contribute a little bit more. And, uh, 
according to ESPN. CJ had 16 minutes tonight. Um, not really getting a ton there, but again, you're still trying to work that back in and you're just trying to find some kind of flow. You really can't blame the uh, you know, transfer waivers anymore. You can't really blame injuries quite as much anymore. Vic has supposedly been healthy for a handful of games. He's been back for five straight games. CJ's now back. You have a 10-man rotation of the guys that you expected to have playing, and nothing's really working against these top teams. We'll see how it goes against UCF, but in these big games, it's just not putting enough together. You're not doing enough to win. Uh, so I just pulled up a, I want to name a quick MVP and, uh, uh, needs improvement, uh, player. Uh, I don't want to be too mean. Our needs improvement player of the first half of the big 12 season. Um, obviously it's Victor Locken, uh, Justin on the score app. They have a plus minus for every game for players. Victor Locken's plus minus in the BYU game plus 16. Pretty good. He and we can we can attest to that. He was great. He he had the dagger that uh, with that three that sealed that win at the yeah. end of that game. Uh, since that game, his highest plus minus in a game is four in the TCU game, and he's had uh, four ne- uh, five negative performances in that metric. Uh, with Houston, he was uh, being his worst. He was a minus fifteen in that game. So um, yeah, not great. Dan Skillings, on the other hand, I'm pulling up his plus minus. Uh, Dan has been pretty positive in most of these games. Uh, his worst one was that Oklahoma game where he was a negative seven, but he's been uh, he, he was a plus nine against Houston, plus six against uh, Iowa State tonight, plus seven against uh, Texas Tech. And I, I just calculated this earlier. Uh, he's been averaging 13 points a game in Big 12 play. Uh, with those only two outliers being that Oklahoma game uh, and the Texas game, uh, he's really been good uh, in this in this conference schedule. And we talked about, you know, before the conference schedule started, we need somebody to be a step up and be a, a consistent scorer. That's been Dan Skillings for you. I mean, he's poured it in in different ways, taken over games in different ways, but he's really been able to step up when his team has needed him. And yeah. it's. Uh, you know, you can't pin all your hopes on a guy that is coming off the bench. Um, Kansas has clearly done that with Johnny Furphy, and uh, looks like UC is doing the same with Dan Skillings. Weird that he's not starting right now. Um, I think yep. you probably could do a little bit better for yourself if you did decide to start him. But um, I, I do think that there's unfortunately a lot just in the middle there. And other than Jizzle, who's had a couple good games, no one has really like stepped up. And, you know, just look at all the games. Look at your thread, Justin, of all the dudes who stepped up and became their team's, like, forever leading scorer on the night that they played UC. It's just got to take sometimes some of those special performances to win in this league because all the teams are pretty close. And, unfortunately, that side of the ball has been more on the the uh, – with the opponents this year than it has been with UC. Yeah, well, and, you know, you mentioned the thing on Dan starting. I I completely agree. I think at this point, it's one of those, I don't know how you say it. I wouldn't say meaningless, but I'm going to say meaningless for the point I'm trying to make. It is a meaningless point to have him start or not. I think it definitely would say something to the effect of, we've made a decision, Dan has is a certified starter. 
The guy had 32 minutes against Houston. He had 32 minutes tonight against Iowa State. He is playing starting minutes. The only person who had more minutes tonight than him was, or sorry, against Houston was John and Seamus with 35 and 33. He is playing a starting lineup minutes. Like, it's just the fact. I think he's certified or he solidified his spot there. And I think, if anything, it might even be a strategy right now when you have all these guys going out, you wait till the other team's bench comes in, and then you throw in who has been your best player to play against the bench. That is a strategy that some teams use, and I think we're using it to try to gas some of their second teams. But like I said, he's playing a lot of minutes, and I think that it's a legitimate factor that he's getting that. And that's really what we wanted to see. You know, I think Jizzle, we've seen an uptick in his minutes too. And this will be the last point I make on this before we move over to our bracketology. But, you know, between Jizzle and Dan, I think I've seen enough flashes and I've seen enough that makes me feel confident in them. Seamus has been very hot and cold. However, it is nice to see with Jizzle, with Dan, with Seamus, you have guys that will be coming back. Hopefully, transfer portal and all the other shit that we could be worrying about far down the pipeline, but we're going to knock on wood and pray no issues happen there. You have these guys coming back next year. The guys that have been the best for you this season are all coming back and are all young. And that's a thing that I'm going to take forward as a very big positive because you're still going to have at least two years of eligibility with Dan. He's going to be a junior next year. You're going to have Jizzle with three more years of eligibility. You're going to add Rayvon Griffith into that. Unfortunately, you're going to lose a guy like John Newman, but hopefully Josh Reed could step up into that position and maybe take over some of that hustle ball type of mentality. Maybe not a starter, but can contribute off the bench that way. And then with Vic, with Aziz, hopefully you're going to get some more solid minutes out of these guys and they can kind of turn this into a thing that starts rolling. But you've got some younger guys who are playing meaningful minutes and they're a little bit of that core of your offense. If they come back, you're only aging that. And I think that's better for your team than if you have a guy like CJ Frederick or a guy like John Newman, who are your offense. And then you don't get to return that. And you have to find that next year with these other guys. One more thought, and then we can move on. Uh, <laughs> were these last two games kind of a product of the other two teams having long athletic big men and really just taking all, one, taking our big men out of the game, and two, not getting our small, smaller ball lineups in because we have to play against those bigger lineups. And then when our big men are not as effective right now, it just kind of all rolls rolls together downhill like that. Do you think that's possibly what it could be from just because like, just, you know, from reading game logs and stats, Josh, Josh Reed has only had three combined minutes in the last two games. And, you know, like you said, CJ only had two against Houston and 18 tonight, but I I do think there's something to that just because, you know, you can't really play a small ball lineup when you're trying to defend against obviously Houston, who's got dudes and guards and and, sorry, and uh, big men everywhere. And, you know, Iowa State is pretty long for themselves as well. So I'm kind of wondering yeah. if that was the thought and we just didn't have the depth and the athleticism to really match up. I'll say it this way. I think against Houston, that's an arguable point. And I think that Houston is definitely going to gas you and you're going to need to kind of play Houston ball to try to win. However, against Iowa State, I think you shot yourself in the foot. I think a lot of those wounds are self-inflicted. And I think that this game is a product of 
poor discipline in that game. I think it's unfortunately Iowa State is a very good team, not to take any credit away from them, but I think it's just one of those ones that they got the better of you, and clearly you were not ready for that game. However, against Houston, against some of these other longer, more athletic teams, we do also have to remember we are coming up from the AAC. You are bringing some of these guys whose talent level was not recruited for the Big 12 and asking them to play in the Big 12. On top of that, you're bringing other guys who have not played in Power 5 conferences and asking them to play at a Power 5 level, whereas these guys that are playing in Houston have clearly been playing at a Power 5 level, have been playing at a Final Four level for quite some time. Iowa State is looking to go to their third straight tournament. This is These, these are tough teams that are ranked for a reason, and they're tough Big 12 teams on top of that. They bring the experience. They bring the experience you know, the veteran leaders, they bring that heat that unfortunately Cincinnati just doesn't really have right now. So I think that void, that gap between these teams is still a little bit too large to really say it's one thing or another. I think, unfortunately, it's the way it is, but both these teams are better than your team, and that's just how both of these games went. Speaking of other teams that are going to be better than the Cincinnati Bearcats, um, hopefully it's not 64 teams bracketology baby um the bearcats window as we've said is fading and i think it's a little bit of a tough one to try it's it's a tough pill to swallow but you have seven games left now on your schedule like we've said before upcoming you have ucf on the road oklahoma state at home tcu and houston on the road kansas state at home Oklahoma on the road, and then West Virginia at home to finish off the regular season. In that stretch, we've said the target is eight. You didn't do yourself any favors against Houston or Iowa State. Of course, those would have been big wins, but you have two games coming up that are definitely take care of business territory. And, you know, I don't know. You have to find four more wins and that's getting a little bit more difficult when you still have Houston, Kansas state and Oklahoma left on your schedule. So (laughs) with that said, it's going to be tough. Steve bracketology hit me with it. Yeah. So UCF is, has officially lost tonight. So they will be coming into this game, having lost four of their last five games um, with the only one being a win at home against Oklahoma. So make what you want out of that. But the really, the, the cats really just need a win on Saturday. It is still a quad one game even though UCF is 67th in the net right now, probably will fall a little bit with that loss to BYU tonight. Um, I I do think that you probably need to win six, and whether that's one or two wins in the conference tournament, you probably need six. Probably need to get – we're at 15 wins right now. You need to get to 21, I'd say, just to really give yourself some breathing room because, unfortunately, you didn't get any good wins out of conference, and your out-of-conference strength schedule is in, like – you know, uh, F territory. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the three hundreds. It's not good. Like we played Detroit mercy. I, they are Justin. You were talking, joking about the, the Detroit Pistons of the big 12 Detroit mercy is the Detroit Pistons of the NCAA. I don't know if they've won a game yet. That's, and we played them like second on our schedule this year. So they're kind of dragging us down. Um, double check that too. Cause please do. Yes. Yep, um, still have not won a game zero in 26. Good Lord. Wolf dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. Um, 
so they the the cats really do need some help now uh they probably need just a couple of more of these teams to fall off the bubble in, bubble including that other team across town that somehow is on the bubble even though they have 10 losses we're joining you soon don't worry we're gonna we're probably gonna get to 10 but here's the thing though you probably like you said win at ucf win at home against oklahoma state kansas state and uh west virginia that's four right there and if you can get two more in the conference tournament maybe even one that's five you get to 20 i think 20 can do it 20 and 12 20 and 13 I think that can do uh, well. It would be twenty and twelve, but or twenty and 12. 20, no. what whatever. Um, yeah, twenty eleven. Yeah, twenty eleven. Let's just keep a regular season. Let's not make the math <laughs> harder here. Yeah, um, man, you guys should watch the cl- show on YouTube just because there are a bunch of clippable moments. If you do not like Cincinnati, so <laughs> yeah, <for> real. <laughs> um, you know they say haters listen twice as long as the lovers. So it's true. I think, though, Justin, to be safe and to really give yourself some breathing room, you probably need five. Whether that's four in the regular season, one in the conference tournament, however you want to mash it. Um, or you just win all four games in the conference tournament and win the conference tournament. Like, If you want to get that auto bid, go ahead. Just go ahead and do it. But um, they're rapidly losing Like either one of those last two games. Probably... I don't want to say definitely, but probably would have locked up their chances at getting into the big dance. Just like a yeah. top 10 home win. It doesn't matter whether it's in conference or not. Top 10 home win, and you take care of business the rest of the way, you got to feel pretty good about what they've done. Yeah. It's also just that, you know, the, the other, it's probably going to be a 10 bid league this year. And if you look at Bracket Matrix, the matrix that combines all of the bracketology from around the globe together. Um, and puts it into one sheet. UC is literally the last uh, at-large team hanging on by a thread. And that was before tonight's game against Iowa State. So by the end yeah. of the week, they will probably fall out of bracket matrix. BartTorvik.com does really like the Bearcats. They say they're a, a nine seed. Um, Bart Torvik, uh, let me know what you got because I want some <laughs> of it. Yeah. Uh, and it says there's a 68% chance, even after tonight's game, that they will still make the tournament. Now, I don't doubt, obviously that they have some quality wins, quality right. road wins as well, which will definitely yeah. help them, give them that net boost. But I just don't see, you know, if they can't take care of business and they still, if they finish with less than 20 wins, I don't really see the path. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I think, I think you could squeak it in regular season I think it's still possible to squeak it with 19, but it's the wins that you get that matter. And it's the losses that you have that matter. I think it's going to be a really, really specific layout over the course of the next few games. If you hit 19 about who you're winning to, who you're losing to at UCF, Oklahoma state, if you beat both of those, but then you lose at TCU, but then beat Houston on the road, I think there's something workable in there. But if you, you know, even beat a Houston on the road, but you lose to Oklahoma State at home, God forbid something like that happens, I think you just see the floor fall out beneath you. It's so, like you said, I think that security blanket for me is probably more at the 20 mark. You have to hit that 20, but you do have to have a win against TCU 
and you have to have one against Oklahoma. You have to do that in that mark. And then you still at 20, if you're sitting at 15 right now, like you said, that requires five wins. I'm looking at the winnable games right now that I still see as winnable, even after what we've just watched still see as the winnable games at UCF, Oklahoma state, TCU, West Virginia. That's four. Kansas state at home. I'd like to say Kansas state, Kansas state, I think is a better team than people give them credit for. They've certainly not shown their strengths this season in comparative to uh, last season. They also lost some key guys, but Kansas state still makes me nervous. Houston and Oklahoma. Those are two tough ranked teams on the road that have already gotten the better of you this season. I don't see how you win those games, but if you find wins in those five other games against the UCF, Oklahoma state, TCU, Kansas state, and West Virginia, I think you make it. I think if you lose the games you're supposed to lose and you win the games that you're supposed to win, I think you make it. But that elusive 19 feels a lot weaker now when you don't have the Houston and Iowa state at home, when you don't have the Oklahoma or the Texas at home, you don't have some of these other wins. And I think we've said this earlier in the season, and now we're really going to start to feel it. Some of those close games are really going to start to hurt you and you're going to wish you had those back, but unfortunately you don't get them back. And so I think it's going to be a really tough window I have not lost all my faith. I do think that if they can hit the four mark, it's possible, but you got to do some work in the conference tournament. You have to put in some work and I'm talking, you got to win two games have to be a one possession game in the third, or you have to win the third game for you to be considered because that will get you if you can hit 20 in the regular season and you can get up to 23, 22, 23, I think you're going to feel good, but you got to do some work in the, in the big 12 tournament. And that of course, you know, all teams are going to be full tilt, but you might catch some teams sleeping in the big 12 tournament because you're talking like, you know, you said this is going to be a 10 bid league. You're going to have some teams that are going to be kind of put in cruise control because they're not going to worry about gassing their players in the big 12 tournament. If they're already in a lock, They're going to be worried about making sure their guys are ready to go for the tournament. They might, you know, sit back some of their better players. But, you know, I don't think any team's also just going to take the night off. (laughs) They're still going to play their full speed. So, I don't know. I, I was really hopeful before tonight's game. I have felt that dashed in half after watching what I watched tonight, unfortunately. And I think it's going to be tough, but there's still an outside shot. You know what you can always have hope in, Justin? Yeah. What is it? That Charlie Hustle will one day bring out the Bearcats t-shirts. We're still, you know, holding crossing our fingers, dotting our dotting our eyes, crossing our T's, asking for forgiveness, uh, hoping that one day, eventually. Cincinnati will be on the glorious charliehustle.com website. Go check out that website, by the way. It is pretty beautiful. But for right now, you can support a Bearcat on their website as they do have some Travis Kelsey gear that you can go buy. I know he's in Chiefs colors, and some of y'all don't like (laughs) when Cincinnati Bearcats accounts are talking about the Kansas City Chiefs as if probably our most famous football alumni doesn't just play for the team and date like the the biggest international pop star in Just the world. Just accept right now. it. 
Like, wh- like, come on, man. Like, I, I get it. One, I get it. But two, what are we doing there? Back to Charlie Hustle, though. We've been talking about the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. They will be at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. So if you're interested in going out to the Big 12 tournament to support the basketball, go support Charlie Hustle there. But if you're thinking about staying home and just watching on TV, order your Charlie Hustle gear at home. Use that promo code 101215. That's 101215 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase at charliehustle.com. Please support the show. Please support the 1012 Network. Go buy a Kansas State shirt because you know what? You like the color purple and you don't care who knows it. Shout out to Elder. Um, <laughs> if you like Ooh. other – you're allowed to like other teams in this league, just not when they're playing UC. And you can get those other teams' gear at Charlie Hustle. I'll say this for them. The official provider of the 1012 Network. Go shop there. Promo code 101215. Yeah, and maybe, you know, you lose a bet with a coworker who happens to go to Iowa State and you have to buy them Charlie Hustle gear. Not me, but sweeping the nights. We're off to Disney World, baby. The Bearcats are going to try their best to uh, go into Orlando and take care of business. This is still a take care of business game. Um, It is feeling like our uppityness going into this game has definitely faded because these teams feel very evenly matched from what we've seen record wise, schedule wise, statistically. However, we all know that the Bearcats are better than UCF. Sorry. Oh, too much credit, too much credit to them. The Hilton night managers. We all know they're better. We know they're better. You just need to go into Orlando and you need to do the same thing that you did to them when they were in your house. You need to find a double-digit win. I think that in football, style points matter. Basketball, you have a lot of games. If you can find a way at any point to put in some style points on any teams in the Big 12, it's going to be this game in Oklahoma State. (laughs) Put on some style points on the road if you can. I'm not going to say it's easy. Even Kansas could not go number two or whatever they were, Kansas could not go into Orlando and make some style points. In fact, they lost still credit to UCF for that. Find a win, find a win. It's very yeah. simple. Straightforward. Got to find a way. Um, like I said earlier, UCF has now lost four of their last five um, seem to be in a little bit of a free fall, even after winning that, uh, that Kansas game. I do think that, this is, could be a tough game for the Bearcats again because UCF was missing a couple starters when they came up to Cincinnati. Um, I don't know if you've been following the story from our friend Dolly Drama, Justin, but uh, apparently UCF has been flying commercial uh, this year, and so they uh, just have not really had like much legs once they get off the plane. Uh, and apparently UCF's women's team has been flying charter and um, – they finally won a game uh, in Lubbock. So shout out to the UCF women. They were, uh, I think they were pretty much winless before that game. So, but, um, Hey, the women did it against UCF. Why can't the men? That's exactly. all I'm saying. Don't fear the fronds. Don't worry about the basketball environment. You, you just, I mean, Dan Skilling said it after the home UCF game. So I'll say it for the road one. It's a must win. Got to yep. take care of business. Got to go win it. Um, if you want any opportunity and it's not like it would be even a bad loss, but it's just another an opportunity to add a quad one, 
maybe eventually a quad two win to your resume. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned this before um, UCF of course played tonight against BYU an 88 to 90 loss. Very, very close game. This is a game that BYU cracked open to a 19 point lead in the second half and UCF still managed to muster their way back, but too little too late. Massive run at the end just wasn't enough for them to overcome BYU on the road. Um, yeah, still a ranked BYU, by the way. But here's the thing that I look at for this game. If you look at their last five, let's just compare the last five for these two teams. Of course, we got the better of them. Um, so that's a commonality there. But UCF beat West Virginia, lost to us on the road, beat or lost to Baylor at home beat Oklahoma at home and then lost to Texas tech on the road and then lost to BYU on the road. They've lost to teams that we've beat. They've beat some teams that we've lost to. (laughs) It's a little bit of some evenness there, but I think the consensus here is we already have had the advantage over top of them. And we've seen that we've figured them out and how to play our style that ends up winning us a game. And we figured out how to crack it open. I think you just have to do that again in the same way that you did last time. You have to dominate them on the boards. You have to make sure that you're taking care of the ball. Clearly, that is an issue that you need to overcome. If you have more than 10 turnovers in this game, I think everyone should get 10,000 slaps on the wrist from a ruler from Wes Miller himself. Take care of the ball. Make sure you lock down their high point scorers. Um, Jalen Sellers, 17 points a game, I think is what he's at over the course of this season. You got to keep him in check. But other than that, just play Bearcats basketball, take good shots, be effective at the free throw line, win the rebound battle, do the fundamental things right. And I think this one should be in the book, easy, said and done, go on to Oklahoma State at home a game that hopefully is a layup, but we all know probably won't be. Well, it would be also nice too, if they could get Ibrahima Diallo to foul out after playing only six minutes and putting up like the Tony Snell game again. So yeah, I'd take some zeros and uh, you know, six fouls in six minutes. That'd be nice or five fouls in six minutes. I do think that was really what uh, allowed UC to come back in that game, even though UCF put up a pretty pretty great fight in that first half without missing without some starters in that game. Um, that was what, what allowed UC to come back and play that small ball lineup is because uh, Diallo went out. So hopefully they can either try to force that issue again, try to get Diallo in foul trouble early, get your small ball lineup out there because you know it's worked. But Johnny Dawkins in UCF, they've been known this year to try and really just muck it up on the defensive end. Obviously, they gave up 90 to BYU, but BYU at home, it's like the, the basket is like three, uh, like a size bigger uh, on each side of the BYU, uh, of the room that BYU shooting on. So uh, they they pour it in there. They didn't against the Bearcats, but usually they pour it in. So um, I like I said, must win. No, no yep. other analysis or explanation needed other than that. Here's uh here's your parting thoughts for UCF. They are currently favored 53% to 47% in the matchup predictor. We all know that's false because the Bearcats are going to win by 50. But I'll add this. If any of you have nothing to do this weekend, 
According to Vivid Seats, there were tickets as low as $2 in the Edition Financial Arena in Orlando. So if you got nothing to do, take a quick flight, hop over the pond, go to Orlando, maybe visit Mickey Mouse himself, take the kids. I don't know. It's two bucks a ticket. Go support the support the cats on the road. I don't know. That's all I got to say. Steve, we have a very special little uh, emoji down here at the bottom. This is a custom one, so happy to have this added. It's our Lord and Savior, Jurassic Park. Jason Kelsey himself. We didn't get to talk this last week because uh, we were swamped with other stuff because there's so much basketball coverage happening right now football schedule it's out baby that's right it is it's Uh, out what are the early thoughts uh we knew about what cincinnati's non-conference schedule would be but that's only three games that's only a quarter of the picture now we know what the rest of the picture is so justin let's do the stephen godfrey bit and read the schedule on air for the people uh we're going to start off at home against towson and then next week at home against pitt we're going to bring out the uh, the the trophy, the River City Rivalry Trophy, and uh, hopefully swing it again in Cincinnati's direction. <laughs> uh, going up about an hour to Oxford, Ohio, on Saturday, September 14th, to play at Miami. And take back another trophy. Please bring back the bell. I, I, I can't deal with that. That's just... No. We Inexcusable. Can't. Yeah, we can't have that happen again. Scott, take care of business. Do I will fire care. a gun. No. <laughs> water gun (laughs) then the big 12 schedule starts with houston at home uh willie fritz his first conference game will be at nippert stadium a place where unfortunately he's been successful in his last game there then cincinnati makes their first trip to lubbock on the football gridiron they will play at texas tech saturday september 28th get a bye weekend fortunately for your man's wedding weekend um and then the next week, they will uh, do a road trip to visit some old friends when they go down to UCF and play at, um, it says here, FBC Mortgage Stadium. I know it as uh, the bounce house or the house that shall be condemned because uh, <laughs> apparently the uh, the supports are kind of bad there. So why, why why else is it shaking on TV if the supports aren't bad and people should not be in that stadium? So I would just like to say, Steve, if this is one thing that the world has taught me, it's this. If you schedule a wedding in advance and it just so happens to fall on a bye week, it's meant to be. Your marriage is blessed by the gods. That's right. And my brother, who uh, plays football for the University of Dayton, it was just announced last week that they also have a bye oh, on that same Wonderful. Week. So we are really just threading the needle, baby. Perfect. Right in there. That is two uh, for two. I know. And uh, <laughs> hopefully the Bengals are not playing that weekend at home and then it'll be three for three. So it's a good thing. Otherwise I'd have to skip your wedding. So, you know, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's I'm on Friday. It's on Sunday. I, I, you gotta start drinking two days early. I completely understand. <laughs> you can drink at the wedding though. How about that? Yeah. Um, then the Bearcats will return home for a homecoming against my local team here, Arizona state. First time playing them in a while. Um, and then Justin, we're going to un- unofficially announce this, just float it out there. See if any of the, People out in Boulder, Colorado, shoot it down like a weather balloon. I think the second annual Viva the Cats uh, road trip 
may have to be to Boulder, Colorado, as the Bearcats take on the Colorado Buffaloes and Coach Prime at Folsom Field, uh, the place of many a dead concert. Um, I've listened to a few uh, in my day, and maybe we'll just have to go for a Bearcats game. I've had a few, more than a few people, Justin, at least three or four text me and ask, should we go? And I'm like, I, I don't know if I could work that out, but it's at least on the calendar. We'll see. I think it has to happen. I got to see Prime, baby. That's I mean, all I'm going for. I'm not going for the beautiful state of Colorado and the sights and the smells and the vapors. I'm going for Prime, baby. Uh, apparently, you can uh, reserve a hotel there that is uh, specifically non uh uh, smoking, so <laughs> non smoking or n- non smoking, non smoking. Oh, so, very interesting. Apparently, you, that's a thing there. I didn't know, but no smoke, no smoke. That's right. <laughs> um, then the next week, come back to Nippert after traveling to Colorado. Uh, it's either going to be a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday home game against our new rivals, West Virginia. <laughs> um, somehow, not on rivalry weekend. We'll talk about that later. Um, We'll keep going though. November sixteenth, Saturday, we are hosting. Or we are going to Ames, Iowa, to visit those same dreaded, hated Iowa State bastards. Um, Just call them what they are, bastards. We really don't like them. And if Cyclone Larry decides to be there, um, it's going to be a taser off. So I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm going to um, tase his nuts if I see him. Yeah, that's right. And then we're going to finish our season with the Purple Double. We're going to go to the castle in Manhattan, Kansas, to face off against Kansas State and then host TCU on November 30th. Um, In what is known as the Cincinnati Bearcats' most hated, dreaded rival, TCU. We don't like you. They don't like us. We hate those horny frogs. Maybe we'll rush the field against them. Yeah, let's do it. We'll We'll rush the the field field. for a 5-7 and record. (laughs) I was going to say three and nine again, but let's, let's <laughs> hey, go for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be there, but maybe you'll be there again to watch the Bearcats uh, finish the season three and nine. But maybe. Uh, Justin, I did want to ask you, though, real quick. Early thoughts on the record. Um, just with that, me reading it off to you. Obviously, you only get six home games this year, but this schedule has been rated as one uh, one of, if not the easiest schedule in the league. Yep. On the other hand, I will present to you, um, there are some media outlets, not the 1012 network because they are uh, an outlet of repute, but other media outlets have predicted the Bearcats to once again be power ranked last uh, or finish last in the league already, Fantastic. way too early. But um, I ask you, good sir, your record prediction as of February 14th. As of February 14th, Bearcats are going bowling, baby. Okay. Bearcats are going bowling. And here's how we, this is how it happens in a, in a very fast summarized way. If you lose any of the first four games, fire Scott Satterfield. Um, <laughs> you got Towson who um, doesn't even register on anyone's radar as a football team. You have Pitt who he knows how to play and should beat again. You have Miami who, if you lose two for two years in a row, I don't, there are things that should not be said on this podcast that will happen. Um, Houston, they've just fired Dana Holgerson. Because Scott Satterfield beat him. That's why because they fired Scott him. Scott Satterfield beat him. So beat them again with their new coach that should not beat the Bearcats. 
4-0 to start the season should be easy, should be straightforward. It is the easiest part of the easiest Big 12 schedule. Take care of business. Beat those teams. Texas Tech, UCF, Arizona State, go 2-1 and one in that stretch. Beat Arizona, beat UCF. Realistically, you should be bowling by the time you go to Boulder. Bowl by Boulder. I like bowl that. by Boulder bowl to enjoy bowl. your bowl in Boulder. Bowl that's how Boulder. we... That's where you can enjoy multiple bowls in Boulder. You can enjoy <laughs> multiple bowls in Boulder. West Virginia, I think they're going to be improving upon what they had this year. I think they're going to be a solid team. I, I think that is going to be a very difficult game. I think that, honestly, I would not have said this this past year. I will say this this year. I think West Virginia is probably going to be one of your hardest teams on this schedule. I mean, it, you look across the schedule, it is very easy. Colorado, I don't know what you're going to get. West Virginia, I think it's going to be difficult. Iowa State, Kansas State, split them. TCU, hopefully you can beat them. We don't know exactly what you're going to get out of them this year. But overall, bare minimum, you're bowling. I think there's an outside shot to get a seven or eight win season there. But you have to be bowling by the end of the schedule. Otherwise, I don't want to call this out too early, but seriously, not joking, you have to think long and hard about that buyout. Just going to put that out there. This is an easy schedule. You have to take advantage of some of these teams early, and if you don't, what are you building here? And I will say, I mean, we we did give him crap after um, the season when uh, that PR guy who's a Bearcats fan who can never remember your name, I'm sorry, (laughs) sir. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he made some good points about how Sat did not have any real message or marketing vision for this team. And what have they done in this offseason? He's consistently had transfers and himself out for media and uh, been been trying to talk through what the guys are going to do in this offseason. We've had two episodes of the Strong Shall Reign, um, the new miniseries from the football team, with some really vulnerable interviews from guys like Corey Kiner, Mason Fletcher, Evan Prater, the guys that you know are going to lead this team. And I thought Evan was incredibly vulnerable in his episode talking about how his shoulder was hurting too much for him to throw. So that's why he decided to switch to wide receiver because he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to keep hurting himself, hurting his team. And that's why he switched. And you you saw it on the on that video of him leading his teammates in the lot in the in the weight room and really put trying to make sure that they know that last year was not acceptable and you know it's it's easy to say uh, i forgot to mention dante as well dante was in the first video um i would like to at least know when the next video is coming out so maybe the uh, social team can work on that like get fans excited about the next upcoming video but um this was something that I really liked about Luke Fickle's first year at UC is like, you know, those early season workouts at like 5 a.m. They had Shark and other people out there filming them and filming Luke talking to the guys. Uh, now, maybe if Sat would have done that in his first year, maybe it would have looked a little bit different. But I think they're trying to obviously play up uh, and look on the fact that they had a season that does not meet UC's expectations last year and trying to respond and show us what's going on inside the program. And that is exactly what I asked them to do. Show show me what's going on inside. Show me what you guys are doing to help fix the problems that you had last year. And, you know, we've talked about just some of the roster movement and such, but 
I, Justin, that indoor practice facility is not going to be ready until 2025. So these guys have been outside for all of these workouts and practices, dude. Like they are just fighting through the cold to try and win more football games. And I obviously, you know, that's like uh, any any dad from the 90s will love that. But <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, they've answered some of the concerns that we've had for the football program. And maybe it's just too far for some. Maybe it's not ever going to be enough for some people. Obviously, we know what it's like to be the guy after the guy. Alabama fans are learning about that. Ohio State fans know what that's like. It's it's hard, man, to be the guy after the guy. And I do think that Luke Fickle is the best coach in this program's history. It's hard to be the guy after that dude. Right. As Ryan Day is learning, as Kalen DeBoer is going to learn. Uh, there's been countless other people, other oh, times Lord. throughout history in football, weirdly enough, football, I mean, basketball too, you know, but it's hard to follow a legend. And I don't, maybe, maybe you won't call Luke Fickle a legend yet. I don't know if you'll build him the statue. We haven't built Brian Kelly a statue, but it's hard, man. And we saw in Butch Jones' first year, even with all those good players that Brian Kelly had, he still went four and eight. He probably could have done better than that. Still went four and eight. Was able to bounce back the next year. I think the hope is that you can return this offensive line that you had. You were able to do do pretty well on the offensive side of the ball. And I think if Tyson Vite is able to bring in his three three five and really shore up that pass defense. Maybe they flip a couple of those close losses to wins. And obviously they were outmatched in games against West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Um, probably Oklahoma, even though the defense did keep it a little bit closer there. Right. I think it's not unrealistic to have, like you said, six or seven wins in September and October, because I will say November is tough, man. Yep. Like West Virginia going to Ames, going to Manhattan. Three straight weeks, dude. Like, if we win one of those games, I will be happy with that. Yeah. And I we don't know anything about what TCU is going to look like this year. They might be starting to freshman at quarterback. They had a weird year last year, and obviously they're going to try and rebound uh, and get back to what they were in 2021. Obviously, I don't think they have all the players to match that, but I, I don't think you want to enter that TCU game needing to win for bowl eligibility. Get that done early. Try yeah. and get that done, like you said, bowl by bowl. Uh, I think it's achievable. It's just the matter of whether the the guys you brought in in the portal and on the coaching staff are able to do what what that goal is. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's makes a lot of sense. I I, I think that's going to be our tagline. I think we're going to take that all the way Bull through. Bull by Boulder, baby. We're going to take that all the way through up to day one. We're going to take that through every single one of these games until we hit Boulder. Bull by Boulder. It's it rolls off the tongue. I like it. Boulder. I like it. I mean, it, it's I think this is the biggest thing that, you know, I come to for this whole season is you have to show improvement on last season. Of course, three and nine, very, very far below expectations. However, three and nine, you played some tough teams in that schedule, too. It was still an easier schedule, but you played some tough teams. I think with this season coming up, you clearly have a weak schedule. You clearly have some teams that you should take advantage of. Get business done. Take care of business in the games that you need to. Welcome in Arizona State. Give them the Big 12 welcome. We've been seasoned already. Give Arizona State the Big 12 welcome. Take care of business and get bowling, baby. That's all that matters this season. Just get bowling. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just get bowling. 
Get busy living or get busy bowling. <laughs> How about we do both? Get That's busy right. busy. Get busy busy. That's right. Get busy busy and get busy on, on that Bearcat sports wrap up, baby. That's all we care about. Staying Bearcat on business, baby. We stand on business. <laughs> yes, sir. And we are standing on the Bearcat sports wrap up right now. And we're going to get into it. Women's basketball, like I mentioned earlier in the show, defeated UCF in Orlando for the season sweep before falling to BYU over the weekend. They are playing at Kansas on Wednesday and wearing their pink jerseys, and they will host Senior Day Saturday against TCU. If you're able to go, go support the program and support them as they play their final Saturday home game. of the, Well, not their final Saturday home game, but they are honoring the seniors this upcoming Saturday. So please go support them. Baseball. Baseball, did you know, Justin, that the Bearcats are playing baseball in February? They open their season against Jacksonville this upcoming weekend. The Jordan Bischel era begins. Um, you know, I, I kind of just want to see what they're like because I don't think they're going to win every game 22 to 3, but <laughs> we'll see. You never know. And they have their first home game in a week's time on February 20th against NKU. So if you're interested in some February baseball at home, definitely go out and check out the base baseball Bearcats at UC baseball stadium, indoor track and field, Justin, how many times are we going to say this man's name? Say it with me, Justin, one, two, three, Tyler, Tyler Worth. Worth. Yes, baby. sir. Guess what he did, Justin? He broke his own school record. Once again, oh he God. ran the mild in, th- he ran the mile in three minutes, 57 seconds, 57.2 seconds. 357 miles shaved two seconds off of his previous best mile time. Third time he's broken the school record. Third time he's, and he's the only Bearcat to do it. He's done it three times. So, so you're just saying he's getting better. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Roger Bannister. I said Henry Bannister, by the way. I had my English sports history wrong. Roger Bannister was the guy who originally wrote, broke the four minute mile. Tyler Worth's done that twice within the last month. So <sighs> shout out to him, man. A legend. Um, and then also I want to shout out Hannah Jackson, who won bronze in the weight throw this weekend with a toss of 64 feet with the weighted ball. So, or uh, the weight throw. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what she was doing, but congratulations. That is awesome. 64 I... feet, man. That is a feat. Um, women's golf. They finished six this weekend at the Seabest Intercollegiate in Jacksonville, Florida, where the baseball team will be traveling this upcoming weekend. Tennis, they host those Miami Redbirds this upcoming weekend. Maybe they can steal the bell for us and we could just keep it, uh, you know, because it's enough. spiritually ours, you know. Yeah, um, lacrosse, they unfortunately dropped their season opener at Marquette. They will host the Michigan Wolverines this Wednesday and go to Robert Morris on Sunday. Definitely try to watch some of those games. Those games are fun. And finally, swimming and diving will meet Louisville at their natatorium on Saturday. So, Go ahead and support all those Bearcat sports. There's a lot more coming up in this spring season. So definitely have a few more chances to catch the women's basketball team. Definitely have a lot of chances to catch the the baseball team. Tennis will be playing outside soon. Lacrosse will be playing most of their, most if not all of their games in Nippert Stadium. So definitely go out and support those Bearcats. And also save the best for last, Justin. We mentioned it earlier, but Travis Kelsey, three rings on that man's fingers. I don't care that he's a Kansas City Chief right now. He's a Cincinnati Bearcat through and through. And I I, I think the first statue of Cincinnati football oh. shouldn't oh. be – well, 
Maybe it should be Tony Pike. Second statue of Cincinnati football should be Travis Kelsey. We're going to have to throw up a poll. We're going to have to throw up a poll for that one. I think you're on to something here. You know what I think it should be? I think I have a better idea. I have a better idea. Not just Travis Kelsey. It should be Travis and Jason Kelsey. But it should be them standing like only stepbrothers could. I know they're real brothers, but standing like the cover of Step Brothers, the classic poster, the pose, have Jason and Travis together. Or that, on campus, bliss. Chef's or, or we should have one of two things Jason shirtless with the beer in his hand or <laughs> Jason with the beer case on his head, almost falling into the bushes. Uh, and oh, then yeah. later, uh, or, but earlier in the night, like being drunk as hell to, ju- to, to hug Taylor and then be nicely. Uh, nice to meet you. Ice spice. I have not met you before. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I know you. So uh, he was comedy, man. He, I just enjoyed him being, um, a part of this Super Bowl run. But again, shout out to Travis. I do think though, Justin, down varsity way there, you know, as you're coming into the stadium, the football stadium. Oh yeah. There should be just like a stretch of statues for doesn't even matter what sport. I think, you know, the amount of statues on our campuses under uh, is uh not enough right now. Yes. So uh, definitely a pike to bins, get a Travis statue, get a Jason statue. Um, maybe not any coaches. We all know how building statues coaches uh, of coaches goes. Shout out to TCU. It's getting late. <laughs> honor your players. Oh, yeah. Honor your players. Uh, honor your Olympians. Honor your basketball players. Honor your football players. Hey, Jordan Thompson out there. I mean, it's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Seriously. Best all. All player in history and you see history. So, hey, hey, contribute something, get a statue. That, I, I mean, that. why not? You know, here's the thing that I think. I like your idea of Pike to Bins. I think you could do it in the classic way. The Reds have done this in front of their stadium. Have Tony Pike find the measurement, find the distance, and then put the bin Armand's bin statue catching the ball in the end zone in the other one and just have them that far apart. And people will stand and they'll see the distance between. And it's just captures it all. And there'll be little plaques in between talking about the whole event. I can, you know, Steve, we should start a statue company. You want to go buy some bronze? Let's go. Let's do let's it. Go mine let's do bronze. it. Why That's not? not controversial at all. Let's no. go start a, a, a mine with some child labor. No. Okay. It's getting really late. It's almost Valentine's day. I think Steve and I both need to go to bed, but let's just end with this. This is my final thought for the evening. My final, final thought. Shout out to Tyler Worth. I think Tyler Worth, he runs faster than a New York mile. He runs faster than most metropolitan miles. Can you imagine this? Like you put Tyler Worth out there and you put somebody else in a car and you ask them to get through downtown. Tyler Worth is beating them. He is beating them to the destination. Not just like, oh, he's the guy who's walking past you as you're sitting past the trap. This guy will get to your destination before you can in a vehicle. And then he's going to make the man is fast. He's going to meet the naked cowboy, also a UC alum, at the finish <laughs> line, and they're just going to start playing the guitars. There we go. That's that's all we need. Like you said, it is late. It is upcoming on Valentine's Day. Steve, answer me this as we sign off. 
Candy Hearts, good or bad? Uh, is it Sweet Tarts Candy Hearts? No, regular. Oh, candy. oh, regulars. Eh, I'll have one for the novelty, but they are the candy corn of Valentine's Day to me. My verdict, trash. And with that, <laughs> thank you for listening to this extra long episode. Uh, <clears throat> you know, go Bearcats, take care of business against the uh, Orlando Hilton Night Managers. Go check out the 1012 Network. Check out our partners at Charlie Hustle. And uh, go Bearcats. Viva the cats. Sports Social Podcast Network.